This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Let's blow up college football, Corey. Let's just start it out with a bang here. Let's blow it up. Let's change it. Let's blow it up. Let's have some fun with it because Dabo Swinney said we should. You know what? Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think Dabo Swinney is full of hot air a lot of times. I think he maybe means well with what he's saying. A lot of his comments just really come across as whining and, you know, I'm all about me and what's good for us. But we're going to have a great discussion here because I actually do agree with Dabo Sweeney on this. He said earlier this week or last week, depending on when you're listening to this, that college football needs to have, quote, a complete blow-up. You can read all about this all over the internet on ESPN and everything. So I I think it's worth a good discussion, Jared, because you know what? For as much hot air as I think Dabo Sweeney has on a lot of subjects, I do agree with him here that I think not only does college football need to be blown up the way it's currently um, designed and and – the way the current logistics are, I think it will be blown up within the next 10 years. And 10 years from now, what college football is will be something completely different than what it is today. Yeah. And I, listen, I agree with Dabo too, um, because I think college football needs a change because it's, it's about the haves and the have nots and the haves have a lot and have nots. They can't compete. A directional Michigan can't compete with what the Michigan or Michigan state has. Even, you know, even let's say Villanova or Temple, they can't compete with Pitt and Penn State have as power five conference um, members um, in Pennsylvania, in the Commonwealth. So, you know, that's one of those situations where it's about the haves and the have nots and the haves, man, they have it all. You look at the SEC and it's like they print money down there. You know, you look at Texas A&M. You look at the NIL deals, which I think are a blessing and a curse because they're, they're a blessing because the athletes, I think, deserve to be able to make money off their names. But at the same time, there's no reg- there's no legislation. There's no regulation. So who's to say they can't make as much as they want? There's nothing there that says, hey, this is a limit, whatever. And, you know, universities are using that probably Ill- it's not illegal because it's not against the rules, but they're using that to their advantage and rightfully so. Now, we're not just talking about anarchy here and, you know, crazy things either. There are legitimate reasons for why what Dabo Sweeney says does make sense. I'm going to read you the quote. This is from uh, the ESPN story from Dabo. Quote, I think there's going to be a complete blow up, especially in football, and there needs to be. 
I think eventually there will be some type of break and another division. Right now, you got everybody in one group, and it's not feasible. Alabama has different problems than Middle Tennessee, but we're trying to make them all the same, and it's just not. I think you'll have 40 or 50 teams and a commissioner, and here are the rules. So let's kind of go down that path, Jared, because first and foremost, do you think this is going to happen? Do you think that there will be this break that, uh, that Dabo is Because I do think that there will be a break. I think there almost has to be at this point. Uh, that's the only way you can make it fair um, to the other schools because it's, it's an arms race. I mean, even, even with Penn State and, and how far behind they've fallen, and we'll talk about that uh, in the second, second segment, but you look at, at, at programs like Clemson, like Alabama, like Miami, like, I mean, you're, you're essentially your blue bloods in basketball. Um, their, their facilities are top notch. They feed from the food, from the academics, from the resources. It's not an even playing field. And I'm not necessarily saying that it should be, but I think everybody should be at least on, some, on, on the same foundation for as, as competitive as they want this. But I don't think the NCAA would ever want something like this because that would require it to them to actually make sense of it and probably have to do something that they're, they're not comfortable with. Well, the main thing is just uh, you, you, the phrase you used earlier, the haves versus the have-nots. College football with 130 FBS programs, I, I mean, it's a joke. The, the difference between the top and the bottom. Now, look, uh, we, do, we do talk about this a great deal here in Central and Western PA about the Pittsburgh Pirates. The, the LA Dodgers will have a payroll of $275 million. And the Pirates will have a payroll of $40 million. So to draw a comparison there, because obviously that is insane, that they're play, they're, they might as well be in different leagues at that stage in Major League Baseball, given the way you know, the differences between the haves and have-nots. And it's really the same in college football. When you talk about the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States of the world, and again, Penn State is part of the group, versus all of these other teams in, in the rest of uh, the FBS, and it's just impossible to try to link and group all of these 130 teams in together. They have different goals. They have different budgets. They have different amounts of money. They have different stadiums, fan bases, alumni, TV contracts, NIL. All, look, there are, there are 15 different things we can talk about, haves versus have-nots. But at the end of the day, Jared, Penn State is playing a different sport than Akron and Buffalo and Northern Illinois. Now, just, just to be clear here, this is not necessarily to suggest that one of those teams might not be able to beat Penn State on a given day. This is much like the Pitt versus Penn State discussion. When we talk about Penn State versus Pitt, we're talking about the differences financially. Not that Pitt can't beat Penn State, because clearly Pitt could beat Penn State in maybe any given year, but the differences between Pitt and Penn State financially are substantial. 
the differences between Pitt and Penn State and Ohio State and all these versus everybody else, the Temples and the Buffaloes and the Akrons, it it just it defies logic that they would all be part of the same division in college football. Right. And I think that's what makes it kind of unique because you, I mean, any team can beat any other team on a given day, given the circumstances, right? When we saw that with Western Michigan being pit and really, I thought hurting and significantly hurting that their chance of college football playoff. And then obviously Penn state losing to many teams in the big 10. But you know, you look at it and, it depends on the university, right? There are 130 FBS teams. It depends on the university's involvement. If they want to spend the money and be a D1 program and, and be that top-tier program that, that wants to generate income for the rest of the university, um, that isn't a doormat and isn't a buy-game type of player or type of team or program, then by all means, they can go ahead and, and do that. You know, if Akron wants to, you know, under Joe Moorhead, wants to take that next leap and make that step into big-time college football, by all means, they're able to. But at the same time, you know, is it financially or fiscally responsible for them to do so? I think it depends on the university. Obviously, Penn State's on good footing. Pitt is the same boat. Um, and, and every team in the SEC, I would imagine, as well. So where you get into that is the, those lower-tier or middle-tier conferences that, you know, it doesn't make sense for us. Does it make sense for us to buy in in football and, and put money into, into everything. So I do think that there should be probably a tier system. Um, it just makes sense. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how soon it's going to happen. That, that's a good point. Um, we can talk about changes that are, are necessary and things that we think will change to try to put a time frame on it comes down what does everything in the world come down to when we're talking about this stuff? It comes down to money, TV contracts, all that kind of stuff, league agreements and everything. Um, but, but the bottom line for all of this, Jared, is that college football is a bizarre professional league. Okay, I, I, I was about to say quasi-professional. No, college football is a professional sports league. Okay, Let, let's cut through the chase to so this amateurism, romanticism, that kind of thing. College football is a professional sports league. And you're talking about these teams are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. TV contracts worth billions of dollars. But do we think about Central Michigan? Do we think about, you know, Colorado State? Colorado State's got a nice football program. Do we think about these kinds of programs when we think about the TV contracts and the national deals and the, and the Power Five conference, no, we, we don't. And that's not to diminish any other program in this country because, again, as I was pointing out earlier, you can have smaller programs that on any given Saturday can beat these behemoths. Toledo beat Penn State, you know, back in the day, one of the, maybe probably one of the worst losses Penn State's ever had. Temple beat Penn State, sacked Christian Hackenberg 10 times. These things can happen. But what we're talking about here is money. And again, getting back to Dabo Sweeney, the reason I don't like agreeing with Dabo Sweeney is because, quite frankly, I think he's full of shit a lot of times. Pardon my French. I think Dabo Sweeney likes to preach from the high ground and likes to, likes to talk about how he wants – I'm looking at a quote here from a few years ago. As far as paying players, professionalizing college athletics, that's where you lose me. I'll go do something else because there's enough entitlement in this world as it is. 
that's from Dabo Sweeney back in 2019. Dabo Sweeney, by the way, makes $9 million a year. Okay. So I'm not, I don't want to get into a don't shoot the messenger thing here, but when you've got a coach that makes $9 million a year talking about how college athletics is losing him because he doesn't want to pay players. <laughs> how do you think you're making that $9 million a year, buddy? Buddy. I mean, how, how do you think you're making all that money and all that fame? You're doing it on the backs of these players. But, but, but that said, that, because that's a different component about Dabo. I do think he is right from this standpoint that the money has, has already and will continue to just get so big, so huge that to try to look at Penn State and Ohio State and Notre Dame and Clemson and Alabama and then the other 70 teams, you can take 50, 60 teams in power five, then you take the other 70 teams, they, they, don't, they don't necessarily belong in those same discussions with these other five when it comes to the financial components. Right, and you know, that's always going to be an issue. I think finances are always going to be an issue, no matter what sport it is, collegiately. But when we come back in the second segment, we're going to talk more about how this and how this blowing up college football would impact Penn State um, and the Big Ten as a whole on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, we're blowing, we've blown up college football. It's now no longer anything that we've ever experienced. Penn State, where does it fall when we blow this up? Is it with the Akrons or is it with the Power Five? Well, this is where the discussion gets interesting. And you brought up an interesting point in, in the first segment of when could all this happen? Could it be five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever? Make no mistake, no matter what college football does, no matter what happens in college football, Penn State will be in that top echelon of the halves. When you have a 107,000-seat stadium, when you have the largest alumni base, when you have a, you know, lots and lots of money, and Penn State does have lots and lots and lots of money, Penn State fans can rest assured that the Nittany Lions will always be part of any discussion about whatever happens to college football. But how big of a part would Penn State be? This is where the things like NIL come into play. This is where things like how much money Penn State has to spend for Beaver Stadium upgrades and things like that. Jared, both of us, I'm sure, would agree that Penn State will always be one of the more prominent football programs in this country in terms of name recognition, size, strength, all those things. But then the discussion becomes about competition and 
winning championships, competing for championships. That's where I do think things will get interesting. Again, Penn State will be always be in that in the upper part of the discussion with the halves, but how high up will Penn State be? I don't think it's going to be as high as an Alabama or a Clemson or an, a Texas A&M or an Ohio State, but then just kind of like we are right now, Penn State's in that next tier of, of teams that will always have a shot. Yeah, exactly. And listen, they're on the cusp of competing for the college football playoff year in and year out more often than not. So to say that they're going to be at a lower tier, I don't, something catastrophic would have to happen to the program. So what I'm, what I would be interested to see is how the big 10 really falls in line here, because let's be real, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state, those four are all lost. Wisconsin, Nebraska, those two as well. Now that's where it kind of gets tricky is Northwestern. A team that goes up is Minnesota. What uh, Iowa to Iowa, I think would go up. What about Indiana, Purdue, um, Rutgers, Maryland? Where do those guys fall along those lines um, in the, in the power five? Because a couple years ago, you could venture to, you could say that Rutgers deserved to be relegated if relegation was a thing. Uh, Same thing with Maryland's football program. Then up until recently, Indiana's program wasn't the greatest either. So, you know, you look at some of where the programs have started and where they are now, and, and that kind of, what do you think they should do? Where do you, where do you put teams like that where this goes? I'll tell you what, that's where the discussion really, really gets interesting because to go back to what Dabo Sweeney says, maybe you have 50 teams in the top tier of college football um, it, it, it division. Well, does Indiana automatically get a spot there? and Rutgers because they're already in the big 10. That part is fascinating. The big 10 offers all of these schools, just tons and tons of money and exposure. But does Rutgers football bring anything back? If we're to, to a point where we're going to have 50 college football programs all in this top tier, will leagues fight to stay, to keep their current members? That's a fascinating question. As we sit here, we can't know that. I, I would tend to lean, Jared, toward the Big Ten, would protect Rutgers, would try to protect Rutgers, would try to protect Indiana, would try to protect all of these teams. But Ultimately, if we're talking a massive TV, here's what we're talking about, Jared. We're talking about a professional league of college football programs, okay? The, whatever you want to call it, we're talking about a professional league of college football programs. Who gets invited and who doesn't? Just because you're in the Big Ten right now or in the AC, does Syracuse get invited? Just because you're in a power program conference right now, and, and you might have some tradition and some history. Can you bring enough to the table? Can will TV will will TV networks care enough about the Rutgers or the Syracuse or, or you know a number of programs that are already in Power Five conferences to say yeah you automatically get a spot in our professional league of college football programs? Looking 
and this is just rough math. Don't hold me. Don't hold this against me, but there's about 64 teams through the power five conferences. That's the ACC, big 10, SEC, PAC 12, big 12. So there's 64 teams already. Now I do think that they'll keep Rutgers because that's the New York market. I think, um, you know, same thing. With- <laughs> come on, come on. That's a big 10 thing. You know, you got to keep that in line. Um, but you also, but that's okay. my point. Okay. But it's like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. If you're the NFL, are you just beholden to the Jacksonville Jaguars forever? Because, but just because they're in your league now, if they never do anything and they just drag you down for 50 years, are you beholden to the Jacksonville Jaguars? What, what if you create a soccer type system and there are tiers where yeah, you yeah. get relegated, the worst team has to play the national champion of the other, of the other tier, right? What, what happens if you do something like that? That to me, I think adds drama to it. I mean, the money is always going to be there. The TV rights deals are always going to be there. In my opinion, it's what teams do you choose from? Because 64, I think is a really good number to be perfectly honest with you, because that's, I mean, that's a college basketball tournament. I'll tell you what, though, man, you, you go 64, you're going to have a lot of crap football programs in that league. But we still do. We have crap football teams no matter where we're at. But, but if there's another league, if, if again, let's, we're blowing this up, and we're thinking about college football completely differently. We are thinking about a professional college football league of teams that matter, that can put butts in the seat, that can put eyeballs on the TV screens. Rutgers is not one of those football programs. There are a number of others in that 64 that you're talking about that, again, maybe they've got some tradition, maybe competitively speaking, they could compete with a lot of these teams. But does that mean that all of these, you're, you're saying 64, I'm going more like 48. Because again, then you're going to start to start sharing the money with everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the rubber will have to meet the road because hard decisions are going to have to be made by who, whatever entity is in charge of this league down the road, Jared, they're going to have to say, I'm sorry, Rutgers, you don't add anything of value to us. I'm sorry, Indiana football. You do not bring value to us. Hey, I'm a lifelong Syracuse basketball fan. They might have to say, I'm sorry, Syracuse, your football program isn't up to snuff and does not bring us value because we're talking all of this will be done jared because of money and tv and all of that and at the end of the day if you're penn state ohio state michigan notre dame clemson alabama florida georgia all the you want to be competing against quote unquote your peers the best of the best the best of your but but your peers programs Mm -hmm. that you think are similar to you rutgers is more similar to Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. that, no, no disrespect to Northern Illinois. They have a nice football program. They're more similar similar to that than they are to to me a forty eight or fifty four team field that might be in a, in a professional league college football program. Yeah, I mean, you look, and there are some big name schools, especially on the basketball front, that I think right. could get eliminated. That could be in that second tier. You know, uh, Kansas, I think Kansas, is one of them. Kansas, absolutely. Duke football, I think it yep. could be another. Yep. You know, there, there are so many different ways you could go about this, and I think that's both good and bad. But I think something does have to change because, again, it's an arms race. It's who can put up the most 
the gaudy stadium, the most gaudy facilities that, that gets attention. And then you obviously throw in the NIL stuff and how are they going to use that to their advantage? Because, Hey, listen, this guy, we know this guy, he can give you this. Uh, and then this year he can give you that. Do you have to, and, and it's not like you can cap how much you can make on your own name, right? You know, your name is your brand. If you have a great, if you have great brand value, a great name, then by all means go out and get that money. But at the same time, there's no regulation on how universities handle it. And that's scary in the long run. Kansas won the national title in basketball. Their football program should not and probably will not be in any kind of college football professional league. Duke football. Duke went to the Final Four in basketball. Their football program should not and I don't believe will ultimately be in some kind. You know, UConn. UConn had the best college basketball program in the country for a good 15-year period, winning four mm-hmm. national titles. Mm-hmm. Their, their football program will not be. Now, let me take a, a, a real quick step back here and say, folks, my favorite sport is college basketball. I'm looking up. I'm in my home office. Uh, a colleague and I wrote, Newardale and I wrote point-counterpoint pieces uh, 15 years ago about Syracuse, about whether or not Syracuse should have joined Joe Paterno's all Eastern Conference in the 1980s because the football folks will tell you that folks like Syracuse and Pitt and Boston College made a big mistake not joining Joe Paterno in this all Eastern football league. All right. I'm a college basketball fan. Syracuse basketball would not have reached the national prominence that it did without the Big East. If Syracuse football, if Syracuse would have joined Joe Paterno's conference to be basically a second-rate operation compared to Penn State, because Joe wanted to run this whole league kind of thing, Syracuse basketball would have never grown to be what it, what it became. UConn football would have never grown. So I, I just want, I want to make that clear because I do come at this from a, from a very distinct and very clear level of passion about college basketball. But the reality is college basketball money is a drop in the bucket compared to college football money. So when we're talking about Kansas, when we're talking about Duke, when we're talking about UConn, even a Syracuse maybe in football, I just don't think they're invited to the party. I don't. I don't think, I don't think there can, and can be a place just because you're awesome in basketball – Basketball is going to be its own thing. It's going to be its own entity down the road. But Dabo Sweeney's talking about is, is a 50-team or so college football division, and you've got to have you know, basically the 50 best or most prominent college football programs in there. And I don't think Kansas and Duke and, 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 and the likes of a Syracuse really will, will belong. Yeah, and I think the and on the flip side, I think the people that say no are teams like Rutgers, Indiana, Kansas, because that's taking away their TV money, right? That's yep. taking away Rutgers' money from the Big Ten. That's taking away Indiana's money from the Big Ten. Let me stop you there, Jerry, because you got forty-eight teams, you get this percentage of the pie. You got sixty-four teams, your percentage of the pie is smaller. Right, and uh, again, what about Notre Dame? What about your independents? What about your military schools? You know, um, how much do you value them? Do you keep, you know, certain things there? But I think it's 
I think something does have to give um, because I think we're reaching that, that, that really that critical moment because there's so much money involved and good, bad, or indifferent. Something's got to give at some point we're re- we're reaching this breaking point because guys like Dabo, I mean, and listen, for the most part, does he make sense here? Yeah. Now, do I think that he does blow a lot of smoke? Yes, a lot of coaches do. That is part of the profession, right? Every Saturday we see people trot out, talk about coach speak and see them just talk in circles and and they talk themselves a NASCAR race, right? But there's value, I think, in what what Dabo is trying to get across here. Um, But if you're the NCAA, one, is this something that you want? And two, do you give a shit about it? It's interesting because um, all, all of this, we're, we're kind of speaking in hypothetical about everything, but I, I do think uh, as these programs and, and the money continues to flow in in massive, massive amounts, whatever ends up happening is going to look very different than what it is now. Right now we have 130 teams. you got these Power Five conferences. We haven't even talked about when, when and I do say when, we're going to go to uh, the 12-team playoff because I think that's going to happen. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, Penn State is going to have a seat at the table. If you're, if you're Kansas, you're really worried about what the future of college basketball, about what college athletics is going to be. You just won a national title. you, you got to be worried. If you're Duke, you got to be worried. Uh, no one in their right mind that knows anything about Penn State football is going to be worried about Penn State's place at the table. But at the same time, Penn State basketball has been basically largely irrelevant in, in uh, you know national discussions, mostly forever. So what might happen to Penn State basketball at some point down the road? That's Can you blow a- up college football and leave college basketball the same? That's a great question. Uh, we need another hour on our podcast to get into that, but that would be something where Penn State fans would have to be worried about. Right. So that's about all I've got for the first two segments. So, Corey, we're going to come back and have a little bit of fun here in the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, the UK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, we are privileged enough to be out of the elements for the most part in the press box. Um, sometimes that means that we don't get to see the rain. Sometimes that means that it, we stay out of the cold and the hot and everything. We, uh, outside of the Wisconsin game a couple of years ago at Penn State, we're largely guarded from the public um, as media members in the press box. Well, one Big Ten institution, Michigan State, is opening their press box up to fans for, I think, $90 a seat. They can come in and they have access to sit in a press box. One, let's preface this by saying Penn State would never do this. I'm, I I firmly believe that they will never do that. Oh, man. You, but you got more confidence than me. If they were to do that, Corey, what would, so what would that, what do you think that experience would be like? I think Neil Riddell and Dave Jones would have a friggin' conniption fit because uh, uh, 
to open up the press box to fans would be really tough. We try to have a working environment. I've got a smile on my face while I'm saying this. Uh, it is it is pretty hilarious. But you say never, Jared. I mean, hey, we just spent the first two segments talking about money and, and talking about, you know, haves versus have-nots and things like that. So, uh, <laughs> any any school that can find a way to make money doing anything, I'm not going to say never. I will say this real quick. In the, at, the, at the Alamo Bowl, in 2007 in San Antonio, I'm sitting there in the press box, Jared, and all of a sudden this dude's like five feet behind me just cheering and cheering and cheering and yelling and blah, blah, blah. Look, there's no cheering in the press box. All media members know that. So this guy is really getting on everybody's nerves. So after about five minutes, security is called, and they're telling him he's got to leave. And he's refusing to leave, you know. Uh, he, he's just going nuts, just cheering and everything. Um, but – the, the sanctity for listeners, the sanctity of the press box uh, is, is supposed to be, you know, we're, we're there to do a job and, and uh, we can have fun, but you're not, you can't be up there rooting for anybody. If, if we had to be up there around fans rooting for people, Jared, oh boy, that would, that would be a nightmare. Oh man. It would be, I think it would be a sight to, to behold. Now, a couple of years ago, as I alluded to before, I believe it was Wisconsin, right? I, I forget what year it was, but a, a gentleman comes into the to the media room after the game. This is when, yeah, yep, where he, the media room is right off the field, right off the end zone, uh, the gated end zone, and right down um, the concourse from the Penn State locker room. And this dude was in full, uh, full the game gear, whatever comes in, and he not only does he get in, he asks a question. He asked a question to James Franklin. And I think it had already been answered probably two or three times, but that's that to me it was hilarious. Now, will they? I wonder if they'll let those fans ask a question to Mel Tucker. <laughs> Man, I've been in the media for thirty years. You know, one thing I can guarantee that I know for certain that's that sports fans don't give a flying f about what we do or what we care about. I guarantee that sports fans. They don't want to hear what the media says. They don't want to hear how we go about our jobs. They don't want to hear how tough it can be or this or that or whatever. Believe me, I've heard from many, but oh my goodness. I, I, I can actually envision a scenario where even someplace like Penn State would open up the press box uh, for, for paying fans because if there's a way to make money, Jared, <laughs> but like I said, Sports fans don't give a damn what it is we got to go through. Now, Corey, uh, let's let's flip the question. So you're a fan, right? One, who if you had the chance to sit beside somebody in the press box, who would it be and why? Um, a media member. Let's go. Let's start with media member, and we have a couple minutes left here. Let's start with media member, and then anybody. All right. Well. Uh, it's to be a little obscure, but I'm a Syracuse basketball fan. There is a certain reporter from Syracuse that I think does a phenomenal job. I'd like to pick his brain during games. His, his name is Brent Axe, but I, I, I think he does a great job. I wouldn't be a fan, okay? The difference is I've been a reporter for so long that even when I'm watching my own teams, mm -hmm. I'm still kind of a reporter. 
You know what I'm getting at, Jared? Right. We, we see the game differently. We see the game differently. So I think fans who just want to cheer would, would probably want to be by whatever cheerleading reporter they think. I, 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 I will be honest. I think a lot of Penn State fans who maybe are disgruntled and uh, like, to, like to bitch and moan about things, they might pick me, Jared. They might want to sit by me in the press box. I want to hear what Geiger's got to say when it's 20 to seven in the third quarter and, and Penn state's losing it. So, but I, I want to sit by somebody that actually has a, a realistic view of what's going on. They're not drinking the Kool-Aid. They're not blowing smoke up everybody's rear that everything is great during an 11 and 11 run over two years. I, I would want to be around reporters that, that are going to tell me the truth. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, anybody listening, you guys can have my seat next to Corey in the press box anytime. Um, Corey and I have sat beside each other now quite uh, for, for quite some time. I'm but, very friendly in the press box. You know, it. that's right. We, we have a great time in the press box. Now we, it's nowhere near what we have in the altitude curve press box, but that's another story for another day. But for me, I would sit next to Rick Riley. Rick Riley was one of my favorite journalists growing up. Um, I just liked the way that he said about things. He, he interjected humor. Um, and I'm very sarcastic. If you know me in person, um, that's probably one of my like top three pillars of my personality is, is my wit and my sarcasm, um, both to a fault and to a, to positive. Um, and then, you know, looking at it, I would love to watch a game with Dean Smith. I would love to analyze a game, um, from the top between Dean Smith and John Wooden, just the way that they went about things back in the day. And, and just to see how games, how they saw games play out from above, I think would be a really cool uh, experience. That's interesting because that, that's the Rick Riley component. Is, is, that's the media part. The other part is a, is a coach. And I do think that's an interesting question. If you could be around any coach watching a game, um, that would be an interesting question. You can let the listeners think about that. I, I'll say maybe – uh, if I had to throw one out, um, I, I think Seth Greenberg, former okay. coach, mm-hmm. does a phenomenal job on college basketball. Uh, he, he, de- he tells it like it is. He's not sugarcoating. He's not just blowing smoke up everybody's butt. Uh, so if there was one guy, you know, maybe a, a former coach, I, from, from, from the, the, the last person I want to sit by is Jay Billis. I'm not starting a war here. I think Jay Billis is the absolute worst. I cannot stand Jay Billis as a college bat. I don't want anything to do with his analysis, his smarminess. He is just – he is so over-the-top ridiculous and pompous. But give me a Seth Greenberg, somebody like that. Give me a Robbie Hummel. I think Robbie Hummel is an unbelievable college basketball analyst as a former player, the former Purdue guy. Those are guys I'd want to sit by, guys that are going to tell you the truth. Right. And I have guys like for different things too. So like I want to go suit shopping with Roy Williams. I would love to get a beer with Bill O'Brien and I would, (laughs) I would love to just go out on a fishing trip with Mike Leach. I think those would be some incredible experiences. Real quick. Uh, As we finish this, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Go ahead, Jerry. No, no, no. That was, that's all I've got. I got to end on Mike Leach. I think that'd be great. We can talk about Geronimo. I will say folks, uh, so Joe Paterno used to do this thing on Friday nights. Um, longtime Penn State fans know all about it. He'd get with the media on the road at the hotel and just kind of hold court for 45 minutes or an hour, and everybody had a good time. It was all off the record. He did this for many, many, many years. 
I started covering Penn State in 06. So I got to enjoy a whole bunch of those uh, until the end of his tenure. Uh, Joe was really good on those Friday night sessions. Now, when he left and Bill O'Brien took over, Bill did a few of them at the beginning, maybe feeling like it was out of the legacy. But I will tell you this, Bill O'Brien was freaking awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Uh, uh, what, was the, what was that Illinois coach's name? The Illinois football coach that uh, was trying to poach Penn State player, Tim, Tim something. I can't believe, Tim Beckman. Oh, my gosh. What, it's, it's legendary. I, it's, it's off the record even to this day, but it's legendary in the, in the Penn State beat how much Bill O'Brien absolutely ripped this guy to shreds in a Friday night off-the-record session. I can't repeat anything that he said even all these years later, but when you talk about Bill O'Brien, a guy you want to have a beer with, that's, that's a great call, Jared, because that's a guy, man. We got to have some drinks with him for a handful of times back in 2012. And, man, he doesn't pull any punches, brother. No, and I think that's what makes this profession kind of interesting because we all have different personalities because we write a certain way. We talk a certain way in a podcast, and coaches are the same way. Who they are between the lines is completely different than they are in their offices or out in the public or with the media. So I think that's what what makes coaching and sport really unique, right? So for that, listeners – Think about who you would like to have a beer with as a coach. Think about who you would like to watch a game with as a coach. And think about who you might invite to your wedding if you were getting married and wanted to invite a coach to a wedding and who th- who you think would have a great time or even give you the best wedding gifts. And maybe next week we'll talk about a couple of them on the podcast. I love on the week- it. On the We Are Podcast of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network 4. Corey Geiger, I'm Jared Prugar. Thank you as always for listening. We'll catch you again next week.